the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host on special assignment today, and we are fortunate to have Tina Smith, who is filling in today as guest co-host for Carol. Tina's Director of Caregiver Program Operations at the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She has a master's degree in social gerontology from the University of Central Missouri, has a BS in psychology from the University of Missouri at Columbia. She's Director of Caregiver Program Operations for the Caregiver SOS Program through the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And we are so pleased, Tina Smith, to have you with us. And for those who don't know, talk to us a little bit about uh, what the caregiver program is all about at the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Uh, it's good to good to be here with you, uh, Ron. And essentially, what we do at Caregiver SOS is we want to provide family caregivers information and support that they need in order to provide that care for their loved ones. So we want to make sure they have the tools that they need so that they can keep keep uh, providing that care. And the issue we're going to take up today, I know, is one that you all deal with either directly or indirectly every day. And that's the whole question of not only ageism, but how people who care for others are seen uh, in our society and what we can do to combat ageism. Patricia D'Antonio is with us. She's got a BS in pharmacy, an MS, an MBA, uh, and is vice president of policy and professional affairs for the Gerontological Society of America and she's a board-certified geriatric pharmacist, and we are delighted to have her with us. Thank you so much, Patricia. You, you want to be Patricia, or would you rather be Trish? Uh, Trish is fine. Cool. Uh, my dad was a pharmacist for many, many years. He passed away uh, several years ago, but he loved that profession. Uh, what led you into pharmacy, which, when he became a pharmacist, was all-male dominated, and now majority of pharmacists in schools I think are female. That's true. And um, I uh, went into pharmacy school recognizing the opportunity to be able to um, care for and provide support um, for patients. I was quickly excited about the field of geriatrics and then gerontology. Um, and so working in aging, recognizing um, the importance um, that uh, medications play in all of our lives as we age. And so um, took a circuitous route to join the Gerontological Society of America um, about eight years ago. Um, and uh, would have, I'm really pleased uh, to be able to represent um, our members and um, those working in aging um, and the research that they conduct that to represent that in um, policy. We live in a society where uh, ageism is one of the last 
accepted discriminations uh, that uh, we hear almost every day on, on television, on radio, in print, uh, where we tend to minimize and uh, sometimes uh, treat folks who are uh, aging with a uh, lack of respect. Uh, what is that all about, Trish? Is, is it uh, simply the fear folks have of they don't want to get older? Well, I, I mean, I think it might go a little bit deeper um, than that. Uh, so the project that I work on and the center that I represent is the National Center to Reframe Aging. Um, and GSA leads that project on behalf of um, 10 national aging organizations. And, and really um, what we learned in our research is that um, it's not, not that people, it's people don't even think about aging. It doesn't become um, something, it's not something that we all recognize in our, in our daily lives that, that we're all aging. Um, and I think some of that, what we've learned um, in our research is that it comes from, um, you know, those deep, deeply held um, ideas um, that uh, aging, you know, we, we very simply um, do not think of ourselves as aging. And that's part of that. Um, that, that, that really addresses why we don't, why, why we're not, um, prepared to think about that. And when you say reframe aging, what is it you mean? So, um, what we've learned and the work that we're doing is how we, um, adapt and adopt our communication strategies, strategies to improve how people understand aging. Right. And so often we use language that leads us to think in those ageist ways and, and draws up those ageist tropes. Um, we, we think it's for, for the longest time, we think it's fine to tell ageist jokes. We see it in, um, commercials. We see it in television shows. Um, we, we hear it from a very young age. And so, um, we have certain models that keep getting created in our brains as we reinforce that about aging, where we think of ourselves, um, where we think of aging or we think of older people as, as sort of an other, as a, as a different group than the fact that we are along a continuum and we are all aging. I want to talk more about that in a moment, but for folks who may have just joined us, let me tell you, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host on special assignment today, and we are delighted to have Tina Smith with us as co-host. We're talking on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline with Patricia D'Antonio. Uh, Patricia uh, is with a program that works very hard through the Gerontological Association to reframe how we view aging in our society. And Trish, uh, it, it, it is uh, inescapable that we hear more and more talk about aging because we have a president uh, in his 80s. He'll soon be, uh, if reelected, the oldest president in, in uh, American history. Uh, and we hear all kinds of comments and criticism uh, about, well, he's slowed down. He ought to step down. He shouldn't run. Can he handle the job? And doesn't that, from your standpoint, Trish, kind of uh, perpetuate the stereotypes we hear about aging. It does. And, and Ron, thanks, because that's really important to think about. Um, you know, when we think solely about someone's chronological age, solely about 
um, how many birthday candles were on their, on their cake. Um, we're really discounting so much, so much of the richness, um, so much of the accumulated wisdom that we gain as we age. Um, and it's also that we're thinking, you know, we're thinking about older people as one homogenous group when we actually become so much more different as we age. And I think we, we need to understand that and we need to think about that. We need to ask ourselves questions about that. Um, and so when we draw conclusions solely based on, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about those, those biases that we start, those implicit biases that we start to accumulate because of so many other, um, other things that we learn, um, throughout our lives. Uh, it really does, um, it, it begs the question of, of why would we assume about anything about anyone solely because of their chronological age? Yeah, and and just, yet we do. And yet we do that. And I, th- I think we're even those of us working in the aging field, uh, you know, working with older adults in, in this population, I think we're guilty of it uh, just as much. And it's, it's uh, you know, until we're, made aware of that. So how do we bring awareness to even within, it's almost like we need to start at home first and then uh, move out to the community or maybe do both. Yeah, you know, Tina, you raise a really great point. Um, and when we first um, started this project, when the aging organizations, the national aging organizations got together and started this project, um, working with our research college, uh, our colleagues at the Frameworks Institute, um, in developing this research, what we learned was um, our own messages um, were really holding us back because we were contributing. When you, you know, we often, and people hear about this, you hear this all the time, where people talk about a demographic cliff or the silver tsunami when we want to talk about um, our our aging. And, and we actually probably thought we were doing a good job in creating that crisis moment. When actually what we learned from the research is if we're trying to change policy or we're trying to change people's minds about this, um, when we talk in a crisis manner, what happens is people say, I can't do anything about this. A policymaker will say, there's nothing I can do about this and shift their thinking to something else where they feel like they can um, take action. And so we really, as those of us working in aging, need to change our message so that others can model it and start to understand that we are so much more different. Well, when you think about aging and what needs to be done uh, from a uh, uh, both a national, state, and local level, what are some of the issues that uh, you think we ought to address? Well, I think some of it and that um, we work with and that um, Tina is aware of is our, how we communicate about aging is really important. And so how we talk about older people, how we recognize that continuum of aging is so important. And, and as we start to address that, and as we start to um, talk about our, you know, if we're talking about a policy issue, particularly around caregiving, we're talking about a policy issue, start with the solution that we um, know we want to see that benefits us all, right? Recognizing that um, these policy solutions can benefit us all as we age, recognizing that we can start to talk about older people and as part of the community, not as separate from the community. Um, and 
that um, those policies that we look to um, change around caregiving, particularly for older people, will benefit us all as we age, right? So we'll benefit um, the um, older person who is also caring for a partner. Um, we'll benefit the um, the the adult child of a, of a of an older person who may be in care for. So those are the things that we really need to think about. How we talk about this, how we frame our messages, um, can really contribute to um, the the buy in and the acceptance of those policies. What would be some examples? Well, I think. Um, you know, one thing that we talk when we talk about um, policies in caregiving, um, are we are we recognizing um, caregivers across the life course, right? Are we recognizing that caregivers may be um, younger and in high school and or um, in college and caring for older people, and are we providing those supports when we're addressing that? Are we recognizing that? When we set up caregiving policies for um, for younger people, for children, um, are we also making sure that we are setting up those policies for um, for older people, right? So it's, again, that continuum. So how do we make sure that um, in our policies we're talking about that, that benefit um, and how we benefit our community so that we recognize that... Um, all, you know, all of us benefit from uh, a policy where we're able to provide um, care, you know, care, family medical leave, where we're able to provide um, caregiving services um, to support younger people, older people, and those that are caring across the life course. I think sometimes we forget about that, that it's really a, a life course approach that we need to take. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. For those who are with us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. This award-winning program available on podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You may be listening to us today on a podcast, or you may be listening on your local radio station. Either way, we are so pleased to have you with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Tina Smith, and we're delighted to have Trish D'Antonio with us talking about how to reframe aging and ageism. This is Caregiver SOS On Air. Well, thank you so much for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. We're delighted to have you with us. We come to you every week with a discussion of an issue, a problem, some accomplishments involved in caregiving with more than 60 million caregivers across this country, but most thinking they are the Lone Rangers. We try to bring you the latest information and help that can make that job easier and more manageable. Caregiver SOS On Air takes a look at trends across this country. We provide tips on how to be a better caregiver, and most importantly, where you can go for help. On Caregiver SOS On Air, we try to give you what you need to make that caregiving manageable and to provide you with the help that can make your life easier. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel and I are delighted to co-host this program, and we're thrilled you've joined us on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air podcast available everywhere, brought to you by WellMed Charitable Foundation. Hello, friend. Well, we are so pleased you are sticking with us right here on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air. Our podcasts are available wherever you get your podcast. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Tina Smith, Carol Zerniel, our other co-host on special assignment today. 
and Tina's doing a great job filling in for Carol. We're talking on our Caregiver SOS on-air hotline uh, with the woman who knows a whole lot about how to reframe aging. Patricia D'Antonio is with us, and we're talking with her about the Gerontological Society of America and the kind of work they do. And uh, Trish, uh, you were talking earlier about reframing aging, and uh, it, it is such a complicated issue. Uh, and you had mentioned that uh, we, we need to, for, for example, look at how in the movies, on television, on radio, how are older people portrayed? How do you penetrate all that? Well, I think, and Tina could probably contribute to this, um, we, through the National Center to Reframe Aging, are working nationally as well as working with uh, groups locally um, and regionally to be able to help think about the communication strategies that we apply. Um, and so um, nationally, we've done some work with the American Medical Association, the American Psychological Association, the Associated Press to um, address their manuals of style, right? How do we reference older people um, when we are writing and when we are preparing uh, manuscripts and when we are writing um, news stories? Um, and, and that's really important. And then when we think about it locally and we think about it regionally, we've been working with groups um, such as um, Successfully Aging and Living in San Antonio to help develop those strategies locally to when we um, advocate to um, different uh, members of city council, or we advocate to members of Congress or members of the administration. When we speak, we speak in well-framed um, well-framed manner so that our policymakers will model that and we'll be able to get them to see the picture that we're trying to portray of how we are all so different as we age. Um, I know work in San Antonio has um, been, they've been able to, to really work with policymakers in the area and look at how um, services and supports are, are, are rendered in, in the, in the area. Um, and there are other examples of that uh, locally in different spots around the country. So we're sort of working together to ensure that that communication strategy um, really starts to influence us all in our, our work, in our personal life. Uh, you say, how can I, um, how can I take, take, um, address this? One thing that um, I think we all are have ascribed to is thinking about birthday cards. You know, one of the places where we we make fun of age and we make fun of of people all the time is birthday cards. And so I don't purchase birthday cards that make fun of age anymore. And I have asked my family and friends to not purchase birthday cards for me that make fun of age. So those are small steps, but they're the kind of steps that we can take that we know will get people to start to understand and model, um, uh, you know, model our language. I think that's a that's a great point. It's just the the kind of the grassroots level and the small steps because you think about ageism, it's such a huge issue. Is where do you even start to chip away? And, and all of that. And so I was fortunate, unfortunate, being able to be part of the Reframing Aging Project uh, here, you know, was able to attend a great training in D.C. and then um, bring it back here to uh, to San Antonio and to work with the team here. Just little steps, like you said, just talking. And, you know, one of the things I learned is just an awareness. People don't even 
aren't even aware. And so just bringing that awareness of their their ageism can go a long way to shifting their, their thoughts. What would be some examples, Tina, of ageism that we may not even be aware of? Well, you know, you, we even say it to ourselves, you know, we, we even, you know, we make comments about our, our looks as we're getting older. Um, uh, you know, things we read in, in the newspaper. There was a, there was a, um, and I, I heard that there was a, a picture, I think, in the, the New York Times or somewhere about the candidates for the, the presidency. And they and I think Nancy Pelosi was on there. They're all having walkers and canes and, and things like that. You know, so it's in, but probably no one, you know, blinked an eye uh, about images like that. And so uh, just, you know, pointing it out um, and not shaming anybody, but pointing out what they're, you know, the, the comments and the commentary they're they're making with their statements or pictures or just even their, their narratives that they have. Ron, if I could add, that's one thing that's really important is asking people why, why do they, they think um, all older people are using walkers or Mm -hmm. there's, there's sort of this in, in some of the research that we did um, people, when we interviewed members of the public, um, when we asked about aging, there's sort of like this, you're either in a nursing home bed or you're on a, on a cruise, right? There's kind of like this very, um, different picture of what does it mean? You know, what does it mean to get old? What do, you know, what are about older people? And so we really have to, um, help people understand that there's, you know, we know people that are taking vacations. And we know people that may have multiple chronic conditions. And we know people that are in between all of that as well. And being able to bring that up with people in a way to ask them why why they may think a certain way is really important. Because we all carry this bias with us. We, we, we've learned it since we're three years old. It's hard to crack it, and it's going to take time. When I had knee replacement surgery and for a period of time needed a walker, uh, initially I was very hesitant because of the perception I felt that it made me look like a really old person. But you know what I discovered? That walker helped me get around. And and I got pretty quickly over the perception that I'm an old guy. It helped me get around with a new knee. That is such a great, that is such an important thing to to think about. And that's such, that's such an important perspective, right? Assistive devices Help us in continuing to participate as we want to, right? So having that walker helped you heal, right? Having and my kids green, decorated it. I've got three little kids. They loved it. They decorated oh it gosh, for me. Oh, my gosh, that's great. I love it. So, so that's the thing, right? Having a hearing aid helps you participate in, in, in communication more. Um, having a wheelchair ha- helps you to be able to attend a family function that maybe you didn't think you'd be able to attend because of um, your mobility. And so we have to think about these things as assistive, not as um, decline. We have to think about aging more um, or less in terms of decline and disability and death, right? I mean, there's so much more to us all as we age. Tina, you you attended uh, that training on uh, reframe aging. What is it that you took away from it? Well, it, you know, just along the lines of what we've been talking about, I was able to meet with uh, people from all over the country. It was very interesting in all different uh, 
professions, um, some in the aging field, some not as much, but, um, you know, just their perspectives, but just learning um, how prevalent, uh, you know, some of the, or the ageism is, like I said, even within our, in our own industry, but just, just in society with the, the greeting card industry, the beauty, the beauty industry with all their anti-aging creams, we need to change that, that verbiage, um, just, you know, and some of the, you know, I need to, to check out our website and just see, you know, maybe there's ways that we can shift what we're talking about and, and, and providing a, a, maybe a stronger message. So, Trish, how can people get more information on this? You have a website they can go to? So we do. Thanks, Ron. So if you visit www.reframingaging.org, um, you would be able to find more resources and tools to help you um, think about how you can change your communication strategies. We have on our website, um, we have what we call a quick start guide that gets you started with how to make some changes based on the research and the principles that um, we know can help change people's attitudes towards aging. So www.reframingaging.org? That's it. That's perfect. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, Tina Smith, you get the last word. I think this is an important conversation that we need to continue to have uh, at your local level with your peers, with the community, and, and just really like like, we, like Trish talked about, a little step at a time. Uh, but we need to, to move forward with this for sure. That's perfect. Trish, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. You take care. Trish D'Antonio, delighted to have you with us. Gerontological Association of America and a whole lot more. For Carol Zerniel and Tina Smith, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you again soon right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com